Welcome to the Recruiter Startup Podcast. My name is Dulta Doherty and in this podcast series, I will be speaking to investors, advisors, entrepreneurs and recruiters who are based all over the world and we'll be discussing how you can set up, scale and operate a world-class recruitment company. Today's guest is Elaine Brady. She's a managing partner of Barden. They are a accounting and finance recruitment firm that are based out of Dublin and Cork. They also do financial services and legal now. She's been in the industry for about 15 years. And one thing that strikes me about Barden, without pretending to know them too well, is whenever you talk to their competitors about them, they all say, oh yeah, they're excellent. Which I find really interesting because in my experience in Dublin, they love to hammer each other. <laughs> and, uh, and, and for some reason, right, whether it's down to branding or practices or a mixture of that and the people that they have on board, they kind of seem to sit above that. They're not an executive search firm, so they're not out of reach from a brand perspective. But they do feel a little bit more special than a lot of the others. And I'm sure some of our clients, who we do a lot of business with, won't appreciate me saying that. But I have to respect good marketing and good product positioning in the marketplace. And I feel whatever way they're able to do that, it seems to strike a chord because the competitors always always say they're excellent. So um, that's enough of me blowing smoke up them. Elaine's really great and you'll really enjoy this interview. I think I've been guilty of having too many male guests on the on the podcast and I'm really trying to find good female leaders. The, the issue that I'm finding is they don't put their hand up as much as men. I get approached all the time by investors or recruitment founders, even people who've only been in business for a little bit. Hey, I'd love to come on the podcast. I have to really chase down female founders to get them on. But she was an excellent guest and she loves what she does. She's really passionate about it and it's infectious. And I hope you enjoy it. This podcast was sponsored by Job Adder. We've been with them from the start. We actually cheated on them for about a year with uh, Bullhorn. We hated it. So we went back to Job Adder. So. Maybe that'll tell you something about the product, the service, and the people. Um, it's also sponsored by Hinterview. And uh, being an international recruitment firm, you know, we, we, we need to really demonstrate what our product is to people. And, uh, and video is the only way to do that. Also, we use its intro section to be able to really bring to life messaging. And that's helped our response rate. And finally, we have a new sponsor, the one and only Backdoor Barry. For those of you who don't know who he is, he's every bit as spectacular as he sounds. So he's the founder of IntroProtect. They're the guys that help you get your fees back when people decide not to pay you. And he does that because he's a recruitment lawyer. Now... I've been on both sides of the coin with Barry and I've only ever won <laughs> whenever he's represented me. And after I lost the first time, I knew, okay, I need to get this guy to do my terms. I need this guy in my corner. And um, we've used him ever since. And my friends, and people in the industry that I recommend him to have retrieved thousands and I mean thousands of pounds that you think is lost. So it's no win, no fee. And he's a good lad too into the bunch. So that's the that's the sponsorship. If you want to sponsor the podcast, I, I, I'm, I'm not getting paid for any of this. So just help us out some way in our business. Let us use your product. Um, figure out a way to collaborate with us. And uh, and we're happy to we're happy to work with you if your product's great, and it helps us and our audience make more money. All right, so over the over the podcast and over to Elaine, and let me know what you think of this. And if you're listening and you want to come on the podcast, or you want me to come into London or Dublin 
or further afield, more than happy to to make a little event out of it and uh, make it happen because there's no better way to do a client meeting than to do a video podcast. Welcome to the Recruiter Startup Podcast. We are here in Dublin with Elaine Brady, not Elaine Brown. Elaine Brady, most definitely, in a professional capacity anyway. Okay, <laughs> awesome. All right, Elaine, who are you? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, so, yeah, as correctly pointed out, I am Elaine Brady and I am the managing partner um, and co-founder of Barton. Um, so I am a very proud Kildare lady, um, having lived in Dublin for 18 years, a passionate recruiter and a wife and mum. Wow. Uh, and expecting? Yes. Uh, very, very new addition uh, coming very soon. So so eight months, uh, eight months pregnant. So baby number two coming, all going to plan in a month's time. Okay. Mm. How do you fit everything together? How do you how do you how do you run a business? Have kids be pregnant? Um and staff. Yeah. Well I think if I knew the answer to that, um I'd be I'd be packaging it and selling it. But um look you put as much energy into everything you can do and I've what I've realised is that you just can't 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 do everything either. Um so I'm very lucky that probably for me work doesn't doesn't necessarily feel like work. Um, what, does that, what does that mean? So, so work for me, I genuinely, absolutely love what I do. So, for me, even if I had an option to not work, I wouldn't not work. Would you say you're obsessed by it? Am I obsessed by it? That's a good word. Um, I'm obsessed. Um, am I obsessed? Yeah, I probably am a bit obsessed with recruitment. Yeah. When yeah. when did that happen? Oh gosh, uh, very quickly. Um, very quickly for me, I've been 15 years in recruitment. So we, we would have graduated around the same time. Yeah, 2004 is, was yeah. me, yeah. So, so um, and like that, obviously, not to, like, to an awful lot of people, no clue whatsoever yeah. what I wanted to do, the usual, had just finished my business undergrad. Um, <laughs> yeah, well. business undergrad. Yeah. A wonderful four years, but absolutely no. virtually unemployable afterwards. Not uh, practical. No. Well, may, maybe those courses these days mm. might have more digital elements or computer mm. elements, but when we yeah. were in uni, it was rubbish. It was absolutely Maslow, yeah. Maslow and Maslow's all that. hierarchy of yeah. need. Yeah, exactly. Boston matrices yeah. and all these things. Where, where are you on the Maslow hierarchy of needs right now? Self-actualization. Self-actualization. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, turns out we did listen after all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I did about twelve hours a week, so I did a lot of hanging around the yeah. arts block down in Trinity. Um, um, Smoking cigarettes on a ramp, and uh, that was about it. That's all. But I knew really all it kind of set me up to do was to be an accountant, and it's the one thing I knew I absolutely, under no circumstances, wanted to do. Yeah. Um, so, what did mum and dad want you to do? Oh, to take over a family business. What, 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 what was that? So, a uh, food business down in Kildare. Okay. Um, so, but they realised. Uh, I, I'm child five of five, so uh, having gone through the other four who also didn't want to take it over, <laughs> I think realised okay, it's time, it's it's time to sell it. So I got I got off scot free, um, on that front. Yeah. Was it that you wanted to? Because if you did business, you must have had something entrepreneurial um, in it. Yeah, absolutely. But was it that you wanted to make your yeah, own path? I absolutely wanted to make my own path, most definitely, um, and also. If I'm honest, I suppose that the um, the glamour of food the, production the glamour of food production is not in any way glamorous. Yeah. So it's hairnets and yeah. wellies and uh, factory floors at two degrees, you yeah. know. So um, and also down in very rural Kildare, yeah. Bog of Allen type of uh, location. So yeah. which I knew I'd have to move straight back down to if I did. So yeah. so that became less appealing and. 
Um, I remember sitting down and saying, okay, what do I want? I don't want to be an accountant, that's the one thing I knew. I don't yeah, want to be an accountant. So, so uh, but I'm not really qualified to be anything else. Yeah. So, so like, what's really important to me? You know, um, and like, what are the three things that I want to try and get out of a job? Yeah. And and I literally sat down and, and, and they were like, I came up with three things okay. and they were extremely um, deep and insightful. It was, uh, I wanted to wear a suit, I wanted to work in the city centre and I wanted to have a business card. <laughs> right. You wanted to be in the city. Exactly. To me, an association of, of importance and of yeah. business was having a business card and wearing a suit, right? Yeah. So so uh, with those armed with those three key things, like I literally went about looking for a job. Uh, which when I look back now is the most ridiculous thing I've probably ever done. But in a weird way, it actually kind of led me to what I was meant to do, yeah. which is recruitment. So um started applying for grad jobs and I kept seeing this grad recruiter, grad recruiter, yeah. I said, you know, what type of a job is that? That's not a real job, you know. Yeah. Um and then just by sheer I don't know, probably fate I would call it, um I applied online to an accountancy a boutique accountancy recruiter mm-hmm. um here in Dublin and went in and met the met the owner and um, I called Paul McCardle in the panel and uh, and ultimately knew had spoken to a few different places mm-hmm. but ultimately knew at the time yeah this is this is the place for me um and spent eight extremely happy years there mm-hmm. under his guidance um, he's probably one of the best known accounting recruiters um, in Ireland. He's been doing it for 25 years, an absolute gent of the industry, um, and has been a mentor of mine and still continues to, to, to be so to this day. Wow, very mm. good. It, uh, I remember trying to get into recruitment unsuccessfully, actually, <laughs> at a university. But I remember I couldn't find any information on it. Mm. Did, did you know what it was when no. you went for those interviews? No, absolutely not. No, I didn't at all. Um, I've been to a couple of recruiters again just to apply for other graduate jobs and and both recruiters I've been to at the time said have you considered recruitment mm. um, and that was the first time I ever kind of thought well, well what I actually sat down and said well, what is this and yeah. again for me it was drinking coffee with people and interviewing them like I thought I suppose I could do that I could chat yeah. and I like people and but I had no idea of anything else with the complexities um, that ultimately surround it and, and make it what it is as, as, as a job, yeah. Yeah. What, what's the split on male to female mm. recruiters that you see in Dublin? So, male to female. So, so I would think I've only, in 15 years, I've actually never worked in three businesses, yeah. um, So, which is probably quite unusual, actually, in, in, in recruitment. But, but um, I would think that the ratio is probably about two-thirds to a third, so two-thirds female, mm-hmm. um, in terms of ultimately kind of from people on the desk upwards. Yeah. So, so about two-thirds to a third, um, whereby only maybe 33%, maybe 35 some industry, again, in, bearing in mind this all coming from, say, the accountant sure, finance yeah. and, and my knowledge of that area, maybe slightly higher than others, but, but roughly kind of two-thirds to a third. Um, which yeah, in yeah. itself is quite interesting. Yeah. And out of them, how many how many women directors are there in your space? Mm. If not like business owners. Yes. So so there would be probably a number of directors, but very few business owners. Um. So from when we launched Barden five years ago, I suppose I've I've been keeping an eye, obviously, on a sure. number of other you know um startups and particularly ones in the accounting and finance space. As well, and and actually, of the people that I know who've ultimately gone out and have established new brands over the last five years, uh, there's probably about fifteen of those, and there's two of us. If I'm, I'm, I believe I'm correct. There's two of us in Dublin and one in a region hmm. who has, yeah, who's actually taken the leap to start themselves. So we can work out the sums there. Then. Yeah. So statistically, there's a there's a massive outlier there. Yeah. So which in itself is, yeah, it's um, oh, I don't know. I'm not going to use the word worrying. That's wrong. Um, I just I find it extremely interesting that so few um female recruiters actually take that leap and, and start themselves when it is such a female yeah. heavy, female dominant industry. I ask the question a lot to them. Mm. 
I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure yeah. I'm an entrepreneur is the answer yeah, I get. Yeah, absolutely, and, yeah. And, 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 and I'm like, well, what, what does that mean to you? Yeah, that's it, exactly. And I think entrepreneur is a funny word because it can mean anything to any person. For me, I don't even really class myself as an entrepreneur. Yeah. I'm somebody who wanted to start a business and wanted to run things in a particular way. Yeah. And the only way to do that was to go out and essentially establish you know, essentially establish your own business. Um, and also I think there's an element of the fact that I grew up in a family, as I touched on earlier, I grew up in a family business. So I have that fear, my mum was very actively involved, both my parents ran it. Um, and so we, having that strong leadership, yeah, like we, female leadership. But also from a very young age, we were always encouraged to, encouraged slash forced to get involved <laughs> um, and work up there during holidays and, and um, and summers and things like that so so for me I didn't see it as being a risk for me that was kind of normal yeah almost so I think there's a big element of that as well that if people can't see it if people can't see women going out and ultimately starting up these businesses I feel they're less likely to do it themselves as well do you do you get many female senior recruiters or principal recruiters or people who've been in, in it for mm. a long time reaching out and asking for advice on how you did it Never once. That blows my mind. I know, I know. And I make, I suppose, a very concerted effort to stay in continuous contact with people yeah. across Dublin who are in similar fields or competitors. You know, sure. I'd have lunches with them once a quarter, how are we all getting on, very open, honest conversations. And um, one time where I did try and reach out to another female um, person who established their own business and I had sent a LinkedIn message mm. and I got a decline um, back saying oh thanks but I don't think it's appropriate given we're competitors to speak wow in a, it slightly politer than that but yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 so which I just find absolutely incredible I think yeah. there's plenty of space in this market for everybody we all have our own slightly unique identities slightly different service offerings Um. There's a bit more protectionism that happens mm -hmm. in the Dublin market than in London. Mm -hmm. I think it's just to, due to the size and scale. Yes, yes. You know, there's a mm -hmm. there's a lot of good collective groups. But myself and Charlotte have mm -hmm. have, uh, have either spoke at or, or been to some of the events, and mm -hmm. uh, I think there's a lot of like recruitment community there that I don't see in mm -hmm. in Dublin. And yeah. I, I I get more recruitment founders reaching out to me in Dublin yeah. than right. anywhere else. Hey, do you know your yeah. advice on this? So, yeah, 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 yeah. Which is very interesting. And and you know, th there is an element of cloak and dagger um about our industry. Mm. But I'm a real believer that you know that if you have somebody there that you can reach out to who's been through something before, been through sure. something very similar, mm. um, then it makes absolute sense to do your utmost to, to try and have a conversation with that person. I feel like we're launching your, your uh, Women in Recruitment Leadership <laughs> Programme. Yeah. Yeah. I, I might just get this out yeah. first and we'll see, we'll see in a year's time where we go, where we go, Jill, for the moment. <laughs> yeah. um, so first recruitment job, you stayed yeah. how long? Eight years. Can I ask you yeah, a tough question? Yeah. Can I ask you a tough question? Of course. What could he have done to keep you? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Um, I was extremely happy there. Extremely happy. Yeah. Um, incredibly well compensated. Really fulfilled by what I was doing. Um, but for me, because I always, in my mind, knew that I wanted to try and do this myself in, in one way, yeah. shape or form, that... Um, that I wasn't going to be able to do that having only ever worked in one business um, and essentially what is a very successful business but is very much an SME owner managed business and yeah. um, a couple of key principles majority of the work was generated through them and mm. um, completely understandably absolutely excellent at what they did yeah. and I knew I would never be able to make my own stamp by kind of saying that we're going straight from there yeah. so which could you have that foresight yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. But I suppose for me... I think I thought I did it all. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I knew I was very far yeah. from... And that's yeah. the thing, maybe that's a, a, a confidence that women think again as yeah, well, you know, that I didn't feel I would be ready. Yeah. Um, and I felt that I needed to see something different and I needed to go to the multinational. Yeah. I needed to go to the machine, yeah. the KPI-driven, transactional 
based recruitment yeah. firm and, and really try and learn and something that there. And that was Morgan McKinley, yeah, absolutely. So so after eight years, and I did do a brief stint travelling, the Panwar X gave me a year away and I worked briefly in Sydney. Um, but um, from when I came back, went through the recession here, which was an extremely challenging yeah. time. Who were you working for? I then? was with the panel still, and luckily I was because yeah, right. they were probably one of the very few businesses that actually managed to ride out the recession. Yeah. Um. So, but like that October two thousand eight, the phones just stopped ringing, and they did not ring again for two and a half years. Oh, no. Yeah, it was it was, um, extreme no extremely challenging. But then when we came out the far side and it's another kind of very good year, I kind of went look. It was two thousand ten. It was exactly so. Um. So, so we, well, we came out of it around 2010 and then I was also turning 30 um, in 2012 and I went, okay, now is your year, Elaine, go and spend a few years, go to the multinational, see yeah. what it's like, learn a different way to do recruitment, learn different basics, manage a team, do all that type of stuff. Can we jump into that? Of course. What, what were the co- big, biggest differences? Oh my gosh, they're worlds apart. Um, so in the, in the so, SME was the owner talking yeah. and tailing a lot of the deals and yeah 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 absolutely absolutely so it was his own personal brand he was so strong he's yeah. so strong Paul in this market that um it's ultimately his brand his personal brand that brings in a lot of the work so would virtually have had to do no business development um no KPIs no yeah. anything it was you're doing a great job just finding people and filling them but the people were coming in as a result of his brand and the brand that they had that they had established over the last 20 25 years kind of felt like a fraud hey but well i I actually didn't know genuinely if i was actually any good yeah you know but kind of went like i think i'm good my numbers are good but i've never worked anywhere else to compare myself yeah you know so i couldn't really actually ever say god am i top bid or i don't know i knew i was there but i didn't know if um what that was like in relation to the market and other expectations out there and when you went into Morgan McKinley mm. was there a bit of jostling to see what kind of like because mm. I remember being in a big room yeah and when, I presume you went in as a manager so I actually went in as a senior consultant because yeah. I'd never managed anybody okay. before but the the, the, the character that was there was that I knew there would be a manager role probably yeah. within about six months. That also. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. But l- luckily for me, there was. <laughs> but it, the room had gone in for you, though. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's see, let's see if she's any use. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, what did that feel like? Was, was, it, it felt extremely different. I was yeah. so used to a fa- It was a family nearly. I mean, yeah. we, we joke, Paul McCarter, the owner, and with the co owners of the panel, Joked, he came to my wedding and he joked about doing a fall, wanting to do a fall of the bride speech, you know. And yeah. I went from that into here is your desk, there is your system, yeah. here are 20 other people who all want to work the jobs that you're going to get to work. Off you go, let's see what you're made of. Wow. Yeah, so extreme, I mean, worlds apart. Um, but then such huge positives in terms of Morgan McKinley and what, what they've done and how they do it as well. Would you say? The one thing I, I took away from my experience with the big business is the intensity that mm-hmm. people work at mm-hmm. to survive and yeah. just bringing that to a daily mm-hmm. basis. I'm not just so sure I'm not intense now, but yeah. th- definitely that was the bit that stayed mm-hmm. with me. Yeah. Knowing that actually, whoa, better do a bit because I know there's this is how hard people work as mm-hmm. opposed to a small firm where yeah. And and it yeah, can be founder led. There, 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 there certainly was. I mean, now that you were definitely expected to stand on your own two feet very quickly. You're expected to do your BD calls at ten o'clock on a Tuesday and yeah. ten o'clock on a Thursday, and hit your KPIs. And if you weren't, you were everybody knew about it. If they weren't hit, um, and I suppose for me that was particularly difficult to to get used to because I'd had so much and I knew I could do recruitment in a, a smart, what I felt was a probably slightly smarter way yeah, yeah. that do I need to send five CDs if actually I know that's the one person who's going to get the job yeah. but understandably because of the machine they built yeah. um, and, the, and the wonderful machine that it is, you know, the, the exceptions can't really be made for somebody like that so it was well row in, do your work this way now and so that's, I would have majorly kind of struggled with that yeah. at the start as well. I did as well, but when I look back on it now, I can see that well, that actually makes sense because if you have a formula there 
if that person leaves, the other person can just jump into the formula. Yeah. If yeah. you are trying to get five candidates to a client for a mm -hmm. job, even mm -hmm. though you know there's one, the remainder can go out to market or they can be yeah. they, they can be worked by somebody else and yeah. there's yeah. more revenue generated and that's where the machine Absolutely. operates. Absolutely. And getting your head around that can be, yeah. can be kind of tricky, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Um, and I think kind of from 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 so I'd kind of gotten used to you know that the this was a more of a McKinley way yeah. and, and then ultimately an opportunity did come up to manage the team um as well so so and that in itself was just a whole other level of learning um and I think what type of stuff uh oh my gosh just the 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 emotional ups and downs of, of, life, staff, of staff management <laughs> and you know you kind of think oh well I've been a mentor and I've trained yeah. people in that's great but I'm telling you when they're when you're ultimately responsible for them yeah. and uh, and the bottom line their activity and you're the one sitting in the boardroom yeah. standing over the facts those facts and figures uh, becomes very very different um, in terms of how you look at it so so um so yes that was again very very difficult would have taken on kind of a team of, I think at the time it was seven people and a very mix in terms of ability. So from kind of, you know, your, your standard, as you haven't always have in the, the larger companies, yeah. underachievers yeah. to, you know, top a, performers. A, a rolling four and three that are doing quite well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you're, you're you know, you're kind of lucky if you're, if you've got kind of two or three consistent performers yeah. on your team, but then you spend 80% of your time with, the, the the rest in terms yeah. of trying to bring them to a level and are they ever going to get there probably not yeah did you ever work yourself out of the building no no i didn't um and the again it would have been probably the next step had i chosen to kind yeah. of stay on would have been the obviously the, the non-billing manager but again for me and even with barton i i want to, i want to always recruit yeah you know so regardless of how big the businesses are for me that's where I get my kind of my motivation from mm. and that's what gets me out of bed on a Monday morning is actually knowing that I'm going to hopefully recruit somebody um, at some stage this week I'm going to get to speak to candidates I'm going to get to speak to clients and that's that really kind of energizes me so I, I would never want to give that up completely yeah mm. it, the way you run your business we'll go into yeah. that a bit more yeah. in a bit do you does everybody build in the business and um, so we have so at the moment we're just shy of 30 people um between dublin and cork so with the exception of uh some kind of back office stuff so yeah. finance marketing but basically everybody else still bills and um, with the exception ed heffernan who was the other co-founder yeah. we've spoken to and um, previously so so Ed kind of fluctuates between offices and between areas of specialisation. So, so he would still work an odd role, but in general, everybody else builds. Yeah. Walk me through the decision that led you to realising you were ready to go out on your own and that yeah. this was the model and all of that that you thought was the best course match. Yeah. So, um, so for me, probably a big part of the decision was actually around, probably right around kind of timing yeah. um, and that I'd been kind of the couple of years in Morgan McKinley, I learned a massive amount, yeah. um, a huge amount. Key takeaway. Key takeaways, oh gosh, okay. Uh, key takeaways, I don't necessarily believe the KPI model is a model that has to be a, a foundation of a recruitment business. Okay. Even, even for graduates? Uh, even for graduates, no, okay. I don't, okay. Which I, yeah, probably a bit unusual. Um, so key takeaway is that. Um, uh, so that ultimately a massive part of recruitment is about marketing and branding um, and that was something they did exceptionally well um, yeah exactly <laughs> so, um, that was something they did exceptionally well and then that kind of systems processes are all really really positive things when they're used in the right way okay mm. all right okay um, so it's using systems and processes the right way for the KPIs. That the right way, absolutely, absolutely. You know, and it's about it's also about I suppose for us, we th th there was always an intent that we would hire a we were never going to go the kind of the graduate 
model um that for us in Barden where we saw I suppose the 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 potential was that was in hiring the career changers hiring the professions to recruit for the profession that they're what, ultimately in what Robert Walters and Michael Page started what they started to do absolutely yeah, yeah. and then understandably given when you get to a certain level of scale I can imagine yeah. it's, it's just near on impossible to do that so yeah. you flip back to the more tried tested 10 recruiters three of them will survive yeah, yeah. Is that somewhere where you're going to go to? Um, um, the graduate model. Well, it, um, like, will you hold firm to? Yeah. We're just going to do professionals, or? So, so I think it's about a, a balance of the two. But so, as you grow, that balance has to. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, the the balance will always lie more on the side of the professional, um, and that career changer, and people who are motivated in a slightly different way, mm-hmm. who are kind of intrinsically motivated, who want to make a bit of a difference, um, and. We've had, we've recruited um, a couple of graduates who've both been extremely successful, um, but the reason they've been extremely successful is because they've had exceptional people around training them and putting time into them as well. I think that ultimately if we had hired 10 people, we probably only would have still found those two. Those two are probably the only two that would have survived anyway, you know, so. How how did you and Ed initially think that you were going to structure things how has that changed yeah so so um, things change yeah of course and they absolutely do so um i suppose that look the 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 timing um we had very much kind of seen the 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 market has the market is turning it was a do this now uh speak now or forever hold your peace type of thing and you wouldn't get an opportunity or an opportunity 2013 2000 and so um 2004 early 2014 so we um what did we were uh oh yes so so myself and ed i suppose we had worked obviously on the same team um and personality wise we're actually very we're very very different um but who's the velvet glove and who's the iron fist <laughs> i'm actually the iron fist yeah. <laughs> you don't have to tell me that <laughs> Oh, definitely. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably pretty yeah. obvious. Yeah. Um, but it's very funny because we're so different personality yeah. wise. But actually, and he is very well played. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Oh my gosh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, but 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 actually, um, we ultimately really believe that in recruitment, kind of being the same thing, um, and that's or or being done the same way. And for us, that's that's very genuinely just caring about the people we work with and trying to lead with yeah. information and advice and, yeah. and and content and whatever it is first and then the the, the transaction will follow yeah. um, it'll follow it may not follow that week or that quarter yeah. but it'll follow whether it's in 12 months time two months time five years time yeah. you know and and the base very basic kind of reciprocation trying to do good by people trying to help them a little bit mm. um ultimately comes back and, and comes back in return very, very quickly in a market as small as Dublin. Um, What's the biggest mistake you made? Oh, God. It's been loads. <laughs> um, okay, let, let's rephrase it. Yeah. Some things that people could probably avoid if they were to set up their own recruitment business. Okay. Um, if you could do it over again. If I could do... Might be, might be just get it somewhere quicker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I could do it over again... Um, do you know the, the couple of times where we have hired people um, based on a reaction so we've had a couple of people who have left us understandably right uh, and um, and basically what has happened is when we realised there's nobody for that desk we've had a different mindset going into interviewing that particular person so we now have a new thing whereby we said look if, if there's a if we are only 99% sure we actually just won't hire anybody. We prefer to not hire than to, than to take it. And there will always be a risk, but we have to know in our heart of hearts, okay, if we put time into this person, if we train them in the right way, their moral fibres and their moral compass is right, um, then we know we can make them a success. Yeah. What is a success? A success for us is really somebody who who gives back to the community they recruit for and that's that's true yes it's not about 
numbers or it's not about big billers or it's not about that it's about it's about just people who genuinely care about what they do who are nice people to come into the office and have a bit of crack with um as well and who are rewarded um intrinsically and yes of course extrinsically as a result of that but who, who are intrinsically motivated by um by helping people and by advising and guiding people yeah and what does your role look like no, you're still you're still recruiting. Still recruiting, managing the Dublin office, uh, helping partner firms launch brands. Um, what, so what, what's that? Yeah, so so um, we always had started off so with um, so obviously I I essentially my day to day um is that I run Barden in Dublin yeah. okay which is Barden Accounting and Tax um and also now has been a is is essentially what we call barden fs and barden legal so there are two partner firms that we have um so barden fs is a joint venture um with a british recruitment business called bruin i'm not sure if you've heard of them but london and manchester based about 70 um specialists there so they were ultimately about a year and a half ago and we, we've always tried to we've always said we wanted to do accounting finance and tax but myself and Ed's backgrounds um, have always been very much industry accounting orientated. Mm-hmm. So we've really struggled to to really add any value to the financial services market here in Dublin, which is a massive market. The big players are good in it as well. And they're really good in it. That's exactly it. They're really, really good in it. So, um, so we've always struggled to kind of make any type of an impact. Um, so what we actually ended up doing was about month, 18 months ago, um, we would have known some of the Bruin UK people and got talking about ultimately us trying to do it, then potentially considering entering the entering the Irish market. Part of it was Brexit related, um, in terms of Brexit proving their business. So what we said we would do is ultimately do a joint venture between the, the two. So um, at the moment we have three people it had originally been called Bruin mm. in partnership with Barden. We split that, mm. yeah, changed about three months ago yeah. um, for a few different reasons. Um, you have a strong brand presence. We have a strong brand presence, and that's exactly what it was. Yeah. And, and we realised actually in Ireland, people wanted to deal with Barden. Yeah. And they didn't know who Bruin were, yeah. you know. And so we were spending half of our meetings with talent acquisition people in investment banks trying to explain the relationship between the two and we went okay let's stop this now they don't have time to we don't yeah yeah, yeah exactly exactly so you've got an hour-long slot if you're lucky you know yeah, no. you're spending half it explaining the relationship so we ultimately rebranded it as Barden fs um about three months ago so so a portion then of what i excuse me a portion then of what i do is help manage um is help kind of manage that on a day-to-day basis as well but that's a tough space yes you know when i look at Mm. without pretending to be too much of an expert Mm. the mckinley and cpl and walters yeah really strong they're really 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 good at it they're they're exceptionally good at it and because i think the whole way that the a lot of those larger banks and investment management firms work really really suits the, the, the massive corporations portal based portal based yeah. no relationship with line management it's literally fastest finger first yeah. if you have volume there and you can and a job goes live and you can send three CVs in five minutes yeah. you are much more likely to so, fill that job so does that change the structure and operations of the way those people yeah. recruit to the way that you guys so, do so, so yeah so we have had to kind of acknowledge that look that there are different types of industries yeah. um, so so which has meant that yes we have had to look at it but we're also in a position whereby we've two kind of nice unique things um, about it one is that we're not afraid to turn away business either you know, so we have essentially signed PSLs um with some of these larger businesses and I've realised we this is not the right return in our time. Sure. You yeah. know, and because we're not volume recruiters, um it there's no point in us working these jobs if we're never gonna get our feedback yeah. or anything on them. Um, and then the second then is that because of the the collaboration with Bruin in the UK, um, and because they're so established on the FSI that they would deal with a number of clients on an exclusive basis, um, a lot of them are kind of moving over here, so we've got quite a lot of exclusive work, so we haven't had to necessarily do the very high volume, lower value type of work, okay. um, and that's probably how we would um how we would see it grow um is that ultimately that we will ultimately continue to but maybe not necessarily work on the biggest accounts that are out there for your one of five or one of six recruitment firms or your one of ten people on a agency call and nobody asks any questions because 
everyone's afraid yeah. to ask to give something away and you know so and what does the what does the future look like have you have you looked at any international expansion have you guys looked at the usa for example mm -hmm. yeah 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 absolutely so we haven't looked at the us we have looked at the uk um and we're very seriously considering a couple of locations um in the uk at the moment considering cancelling your agreement with Bruin. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Bruin have very kindly Bruin will help us out hopefully um, but when it comes to that they yeah. might give us a seat in yeah. their manchester office or something who knows um but um no but but um I suppose for us it's about growing smartly yeah. um, and growing smartly and allowing us to continue to be the business. It's easier to get talent in London than it is in Dublin. That's the truth. Is it? Yeah. There's yeah. not enough bad recruitment firms to hunt from in yeah. Dublin. Yeah. yeah. You're right. <laughs> and, and there is, there, yeah. there's gems and bad yeah. recruitment firms all over London. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. It's, mm. yeah, this is a tight. How are you finding it? This is it's a, a unbelievably tight. Doing rack to rack here, like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can imagine. We, we dip in and out, and we're like, yeah, every time it's tough. Well, do you know what's very interesting? Um, for us is again a couple of exceptions, but we've really struggled to hire through rack to racks. Um, and again, the why, I'd love, I'd, I'd love to understand why. Um, there aren't very many. There, there, there are probably two or three main rec direct players here in Dublin um, and so ultimately you know exactly you have to be signed up to those but what they're doing is when they're they're, they're literally saying here's a guy who's coming back from Oz yeah. you know he's got five years experience and then it's his choices to his or her choices to where they where they want to go yeah. um, as well and said some of those people um you know, yes, they're, they're they're fine, but for us, it's about trying to find people with the same kind of, um, I, I keep saying sort of moral compass, but but we talk about that a lot yeah. um, in Barden. It's trying to find people who are motivated. By the way, we are motivated. Mm. Um, and that can be really challenging when people have come from, say, bigger places or come from larger, because yeah. they're not I find kind of trained that back, way almost. I find a lot of people come back from Oz they're almost done mm. they've, they've, yeah. they've spent their best time, time in recruitment yeah and they're either looking for a job internally at facebook yes and, yes and i've yeah. ran I've, I've ran that process a mm -hmm. few times here's mm -hmm. five players yeah 90 percent of the time it's time wasted yes yeah so it's yeah no and that's it and i think you know those people when you think about it they've established themselves in a different market they're coming back here again to start from scratch again yeah as and an experienced recruiter and they're expecting and, the same money and they're expecting the same money yeah. they've gotten very used to earning yeah. very nice compensation packages and remuneration packages and yeah. um, you know and they're going back to any used to be making 150 AUD a year easily and easily here mm. if they're the same person here making 70 yeah they all are yeah so they're not going to get no. what that person's getting and then absolutely they come in and then they're going well is this worth it yeah and no and it is and, and we often we do see that actually quite a lot that a lot of those people who do come back to dublin probably within about 12 or 18 months if they do go into agencies they're gone back out of it again yeah well yeah you know it's like that's a um and you know don't get me wrong like if, if you find one that suits your business amazing yeah. but but they need to acknowledge that they're literally going back to scratch again. It's tough. And that's very, a very, very tough thing to do. I've, yeah. done, it. I've done it myself, you know. Yeah. And I remember leaving Australia, doing it in Canada, and then being like, oh, no. Mm. Yeah. And then I was, I, I said to myself after that, I said, I'm never doing this again. I'm just going to set up by myself, so yeah. I never have yeah. to yeah. redo this I never, process. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was tough. Oh, like, it's extreme, but that's it. Yeah. That's it. And it's not even, um, it's not even just the good day. It's, it's, it's the nuances of when you don't know the market. Like when I was leaving, say after my eight years, when I was leaving the panel, yeah. I knew I didn't need a rector because I knew in Dublin because sure. I knew there was only a handful of businesses that were going to be able to give me what I what I wanted and what I needed. Um, you know, it was the Morgan McKinneys and the CPLs of the world here. The only time you probably would is if if they knew somebody who was launching and you didn't know about it. Yes. And. And they are the other type of people that come to us yeah. and say, "Hey, yeah. I need somebody in Dublin. Yeah. I've got a bag of cash. Yeah. Like, yeah. can you make it happen?" Mm -hmm. And then we eventually never can. <laughs> 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 because trying. it's such a tough <laughs> market. 
And yes. they're, they're also comfortable not making any money at big firms. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I, qu- yeah. I question if they're hungry at all. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. Well, how can you be happy with that? Like, I know, I know. life. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> you, you have different things that you offer people from talking to Ed last time mm-hmm. in terms of maybe the way you structure their deals, if, they, if, they, if they're experienced. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you let them become shareholders eventually? Is, mm-hmm. like, can you walk us through what that is? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, for us, it's, I suppose we've two different, I suppose, kind of types of people who've chosen yeah. to join us. One which is the, the your standard PAYE, mm-hmm. you know, they're working off their base salaries, their commissions, um, things like that. And then we also have what we call kind of the partner model yeah. um, as well. And so so the partner model is, I suppose, for, for people who have very kind of specialist core areas that sit very naturally alongside yeah. ours. Um, so so they ultimately are people that really run their own. That's exactly the same. Yeah, it's very similar. So, so some of it is act search, other is contingent, but it's mm-hmm. contingent in a very niche area. Mm-hmm. So it's pure tax yeah. or it's pure treasury or something like that so they'd all be people but they'd be very tried and tested people people that we know they'd be remote people, if they wanted they can work from wherever yeah. so to say as an example um with a lady called Kate Flanagan she's PwC tax trained um and again worked over in Oz for a number of years in tax and came back and she's about eight or nine years in recruitment and she's absolutely incredible at recruitment and she's definitely one of the top three tax recruiters in the whole of Ireland. Yeah. Um so for us she's originally from Waterford. Um, the other two are listening. Yeah, yeah. Well two, 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 the other one of the other two actually works with us. Oh, here we go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Aiden Murphy. I know. Um so um but the uh, but she ultimately is newly married uh, you might want to move back home she's from the southeast yeah. um, and so for us we kind of said that's absolutely fine off you go Brilliant. you know and we know what you do we trust that you're we trust that you're working and if you're not it's only yourself you're fooling you know and, and, I, and like, I really believe in, in that how can we get to a point where we allow more junior people yeah. to do those kind of yeah, things yeah 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 and it's, it's, it's I suppose it's something that's is obviously becoming so much more prevalent in the the workforce yeah i know i'll tell you what we try and do so so um acknowledging that it has become so that flexibility has become so important to people and we're working for us it's all about it's all about trust and we talk a lot about kind of earning the right so earning the right to work from home earning the right to I don't know, um, other, you know, um, more lucrative kinds of XYZ, right? So, but for us, what we have decided to do is that we've kind of implemented a policy whereby, yes, people can work kind of remotely, mm-hmm. um, but as I said, it starts off on a trial that after you're, but you need to be kind of a year sitting in the office here, yeah. because that's how you learn recruitment. And because so many of our staff, well. exactly, is they're, they're career changers. Yeah. So they're people who maybe have been accountants, are technically brilliant accountants, but when a counter offer happens, they need to be sitting beside an experienced recruiter. Tattoo of those this weekend. Oh. Anyway. I shouldn't be, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a sign of the market as well. <laughs> we, um, we, we, we we have a lady here, uh, she's Associate Director of the Business, Sarah Murphy, and Sarah's my real right-hand woman up in, up in the office So Jackie Shiloh, you must really like yeah, her. Yeah, 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 no, she's, she's, oh no, different Murphy. Oh, right. Yeah, we have, we have three Murphys in the office, um, we're typically Irish, as you can, as you can get, but um, Sarah started her recruitment career in the depths of recession. And uh, she moved over to Dubai and uh, she moved over to Dubai for a period of time. And on her CV, she had, you know, she spent two years working with me in Morgan McKinley and uh, 100% um, offer to, you know, offer to acceptance conversion rate. Mm-hmm. And uh, thought this was her, you know, and not the market. And then the market turned. And she looks back now on that as the most naive thing she has ever, <laughs> that she's ever, ever, ever done or said or thought was down to her, you know. Um, but um, so, so ultimately what we do is we allow, in terms of that flexibility, we, we like, you kind of need to be the guts of the year in a business. And then ultimately it's, it's something that, um, that you ultimately, you plan around your teammates so that not everybody's off at the same time. And it's not a last minute thing. You sure. tend to have their structured days 
over the course of the month where they work from home, so people know they're working from home and things like that yeah. as well. So, 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 so we offer it, but I don't believe we'll ever get to a stage where you can say from day one to somebody, mm. you know, off you go there, there's your computer, there's your phone, because I think all you're doing is really just setting that person up for failure. Yeah. Well, that's us. Thank you so much. Oh, great. Thank you very much, too. It's lovely to speak to you. Thank you. So the question still remains, what is it about their reputation that seems to work in the marketplace? Why do people coo and ca about it? And I, I think it's because mainly they've taken people from the professions and, and experienced hires. So they haven't had graduates coming in and wrecking the place and then leaving for internal recruitment after a month, which seems to be the norm in Dublin. So... It fascinates me that they found a, a nice little niche within within the sector by basically doing the stuff that Robert Walters and Michael Page uh, were famous for in the 90s in terms of taking prof- people out of the professions and putting them into recruitment. Definitely that works in bull markets and it works when it's easy to pick up the jobs. So let's see how it goes when the market turns, if the market turns would they be able to attract the same caliber of professionals into the recruitment industry? Or when they get to critical scale, will they then have the infrastructure to hire more uh, more graduates in and, and run it that way? Businesses evolve, they change, but uh, this one has, has a real special way about it. And, and I'm really impressed oh, that their competitors didn't slag them off because let me tell you, they slagged everybody else off. It's a competitive, competitive marketplace for talent. And yeah, I I don't envy people trying to scale a business in Dublin. Costs are through the roof. To get the right recruiters in and keep them seems to be a nightmare. Google, Facebook, you know, LinkedIn, Twitter, indeed, they're they're hoovering up any half-decent recruiters at all. And it, it, it's just tough to scale. At least in the UK, you know, you've got rubbish recruitment firms that you can steal out of that treat people terribly. That doesn't really exist in, uh, that doesn't really exist in Dublin. But uh, fascinating, uh, great company, on the rise, great people. Um, Elaine was a fantastic guest, one of the most impressive guests I've had on. Very engaging um, open to talking about anything and just a I think she's a real role model for any female founders who are considering going out on their own and yeah it's a real success story so fair play there and I wish them all the best for the future